Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. This morning, I'm gonna, I want to speak about something, and it's because it's, we called this month our month of community. We are um, going to speak about community this morning, and, and, um, and the reason why we wanted to call this month the month of community is because we don't have a venue, we're outside, and we want to speak about why we can still do church without a venue. Because church is not about a building. It's all about what you see around you. That's what it's all about. And, and, uh, and uh, so I, I said yesterday, I said to you on and Amanda this morning, man, I, f- I felt like I had writer's block yesterday when I had to prepare my sermon. And, and I wanted to say something that, that helped us to grow our community and to grow who we are as a community. And, and so we are outside and we're having fun. And my mom always said to me when I was playing inside as a boy, I said, go outside, it's much more fun outside than inside. And I was like, why? Because there's a TV inside. But every time I get outside, it's more fun outside than inside. So, so I want you to, to open your hearts this morning. And, and we're going to focus on community this month with, the f- with specifically how can we grow together. So this morning, my theme of my sermon is like Velcro. Like Velcro. And the definition of, but before I get there, the def- definition of the word community is the following. A group of people unified by having certain attitudes and interests in common. Isn't that amazing? Let me read it again. It's a group of people unified by having certain attitudes and interests in common. That's why not everybody will be in one church. Because churches have different flavors. And that's fine. Three and a half years ago when we planted this church, God gave us a specific scripture for this church. And it's... I'm going to touch on that today because I want to show you something. And it's John 1, verse 4 to 5. And it's a scripture you can go and read and make sure that you read it often because it's part of our values as a church. And I'm reading from a New King James Version, John 1, verse 4 to 5. It says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Isn't that a powerful scripture? In him was life, and the life was the light in every one of you. You see, it was a powerful moment knowing that God was calling us to plant a church. He was calling us not just to plant a church. He was calling us to build a community. And it was one thing that we were very sure about. We were supposed to plant a community of people that love God. You see, a community where people love God, and, and because of the love, will run fearlessly into the dark because a light is shining inside of them. No matter where you go, no matter what you do, God's light is shining and you will make a difference in a dark place. You see, Jesus was saying this. He says, I'm the life and because of my life, it will be a light through you in this world. And our purpose is to shine and to move darkness. I always say that to myself. That's my purpose. That is your purpose. Our purpose is to shine and to move darkness. As we love God, we shine our light, and something amazing happens. Now, if you go, that, that was John, John 1, verse 4 to 5. Now, if you go to 1 John 1, verse 5 to 7, he writes the following. He says, This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. 
That's who God is. He is light. There's no darkness in Him. But then he goes on and he says, If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. We have fellowship with one another. Isn't that amazing? That's a powerful thing. When will we have fellowship with one another? When we are in the light as He is in the light. That's powerful. Then he says, And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Now listen to the scripture in a Passion Translation. I never really do this, but I want to show you this. The same one, 1 John 1, verse 5 to 7, in the Passion, says the following, This is the life-giving message we heard Him share and is still ringing in our ears. We now repeat His word to you. God is pure light. You will never find even a trace of darkness in Him. If we claim we share life with Him, but keep walking in the realm of darkness, we're fooling ourselves and not living the truth. But then, listen to this. He says, But if we keep living in the pure light that surrounds Him, then we share unbroken fellowship with one another. If we keep living in the pure light that surrounds Him, we share unbroken fellowship with one another. Isn't that beautiful? We are called to share unbroken fellowship with one another. You see, as we love God and we make His light shine in the darkness, fellowship with other believers happens. <laughs> it's amazing how the love of God draws people together, isn't it? We draw together. That's what church is all about. It draws people together. We shine our light to go and shine it in a dark place. But because of that, suddenly there is fellowship. No matter what color, what race, what language, what ethnicity, there's fellowship. Now, I love the Passion Translation. It says there was unbroken fellowship. Unbroken fellowship. That means that it cannot be broken. If there is God's light shining, that the fellowship that will come from that is unbreakable. Now, Velcro. Let's go back to that. If I use the word Velcro, nobody will even think about or wonder what it is. Because it's part of our lives. We don't think about it anymore. We just use it every day. So many clothes, so many things, so many... Isn't that amazing? But did you know that Velcro, when it was patented or invented, was in 1954? There was an engineer who walked in the mountains, in the, actually in the Swiss Alps. He was walking, and there was a little plant with seeds that kept on sticking to his pants. It's amazing. And he, every time he'd get home and all these seeds were stuck to his pants, he would think about it and he would look at it and then later on he would see it is a hook and loop phenomenon that's what velcro means it means velvet and hook and loop because it's a hook and loop phenomenon it's a little bunch of little loops and the, the hairy parts of the velcro stick to that and he patterned that 15 years later 15 years now if we look at the church how do i bring this back if you look at the church what things in church at the moment will make you stick? Like Falco. Now, there can be a lot. It can be the worship. It can be the preaching. It can be kids' church. It can be amazing pastors. It can be small groups, men's groups, women's groups. It can be that event that they do once a year. It can be the camp. It can be this. There can be so many things that help you to stick in church. And then all of these things are amazing, and they are. 
and it's necessary and it helps us be part of church. But there's only one thing that is like Velcro that helps us stick in church. Do you know that? It is people. It is others. It is the people that bring you back. It's the people that build a relationship with you. It's the people that love you, that cry with you, that laugh with you. It's the people that help us stick like Velcro in church. You see, people that is like-minded and like-hearted in our lives. We are designed by God to interact and to fellowship. And I don't know if you know that, but come in two weeks' time when we have a bride. And then see the natural fellowship that happens when people love God and love others. That's what we want to create. That is our focus. And that is why we do it. Because we want to turn our focus to why we fellowship. That we're not just a church because there's a building and we do some stuff in there. No, no. This is the church. The church is everything to do what is in front of the pulpit than what is behind the pulpit. It is. It's all about the people. That's why I always say to people, go and find your people. Go and find the people you need to walk with. And guess what? They're going to offend you. They're not always going to laugh at you and think everything is amazing. And you're not going to be happy every Sunday. There's going to be moments. But the same in family. I wake up every morning and some mornings it's not the same as every other morning. You're a bit more irritated, you're frustrated, you do this, you do... I mean, there's moments, but it's still my family. And it's the place where I can grow. It's a place where I can be part of something. Outside of family, it's not the same. COVID nearly killed community in some churches. It did. It literally almost killed it. And, and I think the bigger the church, the worse it was. Smaller churches was fine. Because the community was more tighter. But the bigger the church is, the more challenging times you have. And the bigger churches really struggled. They struggled to really make it. And I'm not saying financially. I'm saying make it community-wise. If, if I look at COVID and I think about COVID, it left a social scar. On the church, on the community, where we go. And, and you know why? Because we got used to isolation. We got used to the comfort of our home. And I'm on Facebook and I can lie on my couch and I can watch the service. We moved into a comfort zone. Yes, it was a challenging time. And we don't want to go through that again. Offices were vacated. And people still working remotely, which is great because it's cost effective. And there's so many, I mean, God opened a few doors and make, opened our eyes in terms of a few things and why we do things. The thing about that is we now need to work harder with more effort to build community more than ever before some churches literally became online churches do you know that with a shock six months ago i realized there was a church that closed their doors and said we are now an online church few of them that's what we do we don't want to gather anymore it's easier you just can connect on your computer everybody it's an online community that's where the world's going i don't believe in that i like people because we make mistakes and we, we offend each other now and then, but we love each other and we grow together and we, and we realize that, hey, you're not perfect. I'm not perfect either. And that's how communities grow in life. Now, it is not healthy to be alone all the time. Come on. Just remind yourselves two years back. It's not healthy. 
when you are a family, it's amazing, but there were so many suicides, so many things that people struggled with that were sitting at home alone, that didn't have families, didn't have people that they can connect with. And it showed us that God didn't make us to be alone. God did not make us to be alone. That they say you can almost acquire anything in solitude except one thing. Do you know what it is? Character. You can acquire anything in solitude except character because you need others to build character. You need people to offend you, to step out of that offense, to sometimes challenge you to step through that and then grow your character. You see, apart from God, we need others to give purpose in our lives. Do you know that? Apart from God, who gives purpose, we need other people to give us purpose in life. We need each other as much as an avo need a piece of toast. Come on. <laughs> or a salad, for those of you who don't eat bread. You see, so many people dream about the bling bling and the millions, and that, but God gave the true gold God gave us, the true gold is the people around you. That's the only commodity you can take to heaven. Did you know that? It's the person next to you. People might ask, why community is important? It's a great question. It's a wonderful question. First off, community is important because it is the heart of God. Done. Finish. It's God's heart. It's his heartbeat, it's community, it's relationship. You see, after he created Adam, remember what he said? Genesis 2.18, he says, It is not good for man to be alone. And then he made all the animals and he brought them and, and he saw that, yeah, man, Adam struggles with the animals. Eh? And then he took a rib from the man and he, and he made a woman. But flesh for my flesh. And I know it's, it's talking about marriage, but it's talking about the DNA of humanity. That we cannot be alone. We need people in our lives. And to be honest, if you grew up in South Africa, I don't know if you did or not and what your context is, but what did we do on Sundays in our context? We, g we went to church, we maybe spoke to someone, and then as quick as possible we went home. And then I'll meet you at church again on Sunday. I'll just see you again, Wumtini or whoever. But you never have a conversation with anyone. It's just hit and run. We get in there as late as we can. We sit down, we listen to the sermon, and we run out as quick as we can to get that bride going. That's how we grew up. But that was not God's heart according to community. That was not his heart. God's community that he wants to build is to get into people's lives to get to know them, to love them. You see, community by definition is people who is like-minded, remember, and like-hearted, same attitudes around the gospel and about the word of God. It's people we need to do life with, not a relationship that is forced on us. No, it is a relationship like the Apostle John says, keep living in a pure light that surrounds him, then we will share unbroken fellowship with each other. I don't know about you. I want unbroken fellowship with people around me where I can cry with them, laugh with them, share with them, be transparent in my life. That's how it is supposed to be. That's why we can fellowship as believers together no matter if we're different or you have different interests or you're from a different race or you have 
different language. Or maybe if you don't like that person. Have you ever been to a church service and you've been involved in a church and, and later on you realize, man, I really don't like that person. <laughs> it's okay. Because when you come together and God's light shines, His presence works, suddenly you get along. I had conversations with friends when I was at varsity that, that said, we, we, I, I remember we were standing around a Brian, it was a church event, and we looked at it and said, you know, you know, we'll never probably have never been friends if it hasn't been for church. Because your type of personality, where you, I mean, we would never meet. I would never like you outside of church. <laughs> now you, you're one of my best friends. And I actually like you outside of church and inside of church. But because of church and because of the light of God that shines, it changed my heart. We need community. We need church. It's not a religious thing. It's a place where we grow closer to each other. We can never grow spiritual character in a culture where it's just about our comfort. God's presence builds a supernatural culture where people embrace each other, yes, but not just embrace each other because of His love and not because of our comfort zone. You won't build character inside your comfort zone. You need to step outside your comfort zone where people sometimes offend you and you, you're not the kind of person I will grow, I mean, be friends with. But church just does that. When I came to um, the first time, and this is a multicultural church, and I became part of a multicultural church, I became friends with Tsuanas and Vendas and Sutus and Zulus, and, and we became good friends to such a degree and in such a place in my life that I don't really see color anymore. Yes, I acknowledge ethnicities and differences in race. And I honor your language and the culture that you're in. When I, I stayed, I did a, a postgrad diploma in theology and we stayed in a, in a house in Pinelands for six months and 13 guys shared a house with five different ethnicities. And I stayed with a Koza guy, and, and uh, amazing. Until they started eating all my sugar and my pup, and it's like, where's all my groceries? And he would look at me, and he's like, but hey, man, it's Ubuntu. And I was like, what, what is that? You just ate my stuff. And for the first time in my life, I could have a conversation with a man that he could explain to me what is the culture of Ubuntu. And it knocked me for a six. And my life was forever changed. And I realized I am because we are. That's what Ubuntu means. I am because we are. You see, that's the beauty of a community that cares for each other. That's an African culture. There's so much in African culture that we need to learn. You see, it's outside of our comfort zone with people in it where we mature as individuals and unbelievers. That's where we mature. If you want to mature as a believer, get people in your life and build that character. Now, just like you have to face temptations in your life, there will be stumbling blocks. Stumbling blocks that will keep us away from community in church. Do you know that? It is. And I want to speak about that today. And I want to just touch on three things that will be a stumbling block for us to miss church community and to grow into a a healthy community in church. Three things, 
three small things. And if you can tick this off, it will keep you inside a community where you can grow healthy as a Christian. Number one is offense. <laughs> See, with just saying that word, you all go like, oh, we know, because it's part of our lives. People offend each other. They do. It's just how we are. I've prayed, I've prayed about it. I said, Lord, why did you make people that they offend each other? Then I pray and say, Father, thank you for not making us all the same. Otherwise, it would have been a boring world. But offense, there's so much we can say about it. But the only thing I want to say about offense is that it kills. It kills relationship in our lives. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10. You can just listen to it. It says, Paul comes and he speaks to the Corinthian church and he says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Paul comes and he says, he pleads with the Corinthian church. He says, I plead with you, please, don't let there be division among you. Stay in unity. Walk away. Don't walk away from each other because of offense. Stay together. Because the enemy wants to cancel you, and that's his greatest weapon. You see, the enemy knows this. And he knows that offense will tear believers and churches apart. And he loves that. And unfortunately, it is happening in so many churches and in so many beautiful communities where offense is tearing people apart, tearing relationships apart. Now, let me ask you a question, and it's a good question, and think about it. Did you know what is the fastest way to build community around you? If you think about building community around you, what is the fastest way? Through negativity. Can I give you an example? So you're standing on Monday morning, you're standing at home affairs. You've been there from 6 o'clock because you need to renew your license discs. It's the time of that, it's that time of year now. If you have a vehicle, you need to apply for that license disc. And you're standing from 6 o'clock. And the office says it opens at 7. And you're looking at your watch and it's quarter past 7. Nothing. It's as dead of the grave. And the row is long. And you look around you and you go, it's like, ah, oh, it's, it's a lovely day, isn't it? And you tick the guy, it's like the guy in front of you, like, man, how are you doing? Is it, it's, just look at the great weather. It's amazing. I'm so happy I'm here this morning. What will the guy say? Oh, yeah, whatever, man. But if you go and you say, you look around, it's like, ah, oh, we've been standing here from six o'clock. This is so stupid. Where is this people? Suddenly you'll have 10 people jumping on it. Yes. I've been here from 5 o'clock. And suddenly you've got friends, man. And if you look again, there's pitchforks and fire. I mean, there's people want to ram down the door. You just need some negativity to build a community. It's the quickest way to build community is just to be negative. You see, when Jesus was captured before the crucifixion, who wanted to crucify Jesus? The religious leaders. Little group of people. But suddenly there was crowds that shouted, crucify him, crucify I, I think there were some of the people in that crowd who Jesus healed. 
But because of the negativity of a few people, they rallied this crowd, and guess what they did? They chose a murderer above a life giver. Because of negativity. Let's just rally you. We'll just give you a t-shirt and stand in a row and you will sing a song. Well, I don't know why, but I'm doing this. Because negativity is demonic. It's demonic how negativity and offense is. But let's choose to connect with people in a positive manner. I had to make that decision a long time ago in my life, and I'm still working on it, and I'm working on it daily. And if you work in an offensive environment where people grind each other, there's going to be offense, but you have still have the choice. Remember last week I spoke about how do you respond in life? You have to respond in life every day with a manner of saying, I want to be positive. No matter how negative the situation, I choose to be positive. And if I can't in that moment, I go for a bit of a walk. Till I find that positivity, po posit positivity <laughs> and I'll come back. That's what we teach our kids. If you want to fight, and just go for a walk. Just make sure you get that peace back. And let's build a community that is r rallied on positivity. See, it will change a community into a life-giving culture. That's what it is. If you choose against the offense, you choose a life-giving culture instead of an offensive atmosphere. Number two, and this is maybe one that won't sit awesome with everyone, but number two is distraction. How many of you are distracted daily? All of us. You don't even have to put your hand up. All of us. That's why I delete Facebook off my phone just every now and then, just just to get that distractions out, you know, get that Instagram and Facebook off for a week or two and then realize I've got nothing to do. What am I going to, I'm, oh my goodness. See, we live in an information age. We do. And, and with the click of one button on your cell phone, you've got the breaking last, breaking news at your fingertips, just like this. When a queen passed away, everybody knew it in an instant because of social media, because of the information age we live in. But the result is that our generation is distracted from church community more than ever. I cannot tell you how many parents have called me over the last 20 years. And I've been working with students for a long time. And I, I mean, you can ask my wife. I've, I still actually get that, that phone calls. And now we, we don't have a student ministry yet. But we're praying for that and we're trusting God. But I get these calls. And the parents are like, oh, I'm so worried about my son and my daughter. Can you just please call them and ask them to come to church? Or can you just maybe go and see them and, and just speak to them more? And I said, I've got no problem to do that, but it will pull them further away from God than closer. Because it's offensive. If they, and, and then usually they will say, don't tell them I called you. It's like, Phew. so yes, okay, listen, let's figure this one out. The Lord woke me up on Monday morning with a light shining into my room and said, Johan, you have to go to a Johanan campus. And he's struggling. I mean, that's like, goodness. So I usually tell the parent the following. I say, I can't. I want to, but I can't. You see why? Because the parents themselves have set the pattern. And their value for church on Sundays was not a priority when the, kid, when the child was a small child. And because of that priority, they get distracted easy. I can't do anything. Because that value needs to be set 
from a young age. That's why I said to parents, bring your child to church because they're setting a value in their lives that will save their life. Hebrews 10 verse 24 says, and this is amazing, it says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meetings together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now in the day of his return is drawing near. Now, what I'm not saying, and I'm not manipulating you with the word today, I'm not saying you're not allowed to miss church. <laughs> I'm not saying that. Please go away for weekends. Go and rest. It's also a godly principle. Don't, don't hear me wrong this morning. But if church family and the value to build spiritual community in your is, is in your life is less important than going on holiday three times or three weekends in a month, then yes, maybe you are distracted. Because it's not about coming to church, it's about being part of a community. It's being part of that community that can build into your life. I, I decided when I was a student that going to church is a value for me. It's not a religious thing. It's a value. And the value is I'm meeting the friends that I want to make there. I'm making an impact in people's lives. And when I go away for the weekend, awesome. There is, I'm, I'm full of peace. And I know that God is blessing me to rest. And if I miss three Sundays in a month and there's good reasons for it, there's no condemnation for me. But my value is in my, in my heart to say, I will not be distracted by stuff to miss this. And I know I'm a pastor and, and I would love people to come to church. But I see how people are distracted from community. They're distracted from life. If you go to the book of Nehemiah and, and listen to this, Nehemiah was a man who God called him to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. And if you go to Nehemiah 6, it's, it says that before they, just before they, uh, they finished building this wall, it's a massive wall, it was a miracle if you go and read that book. Just before they finished building the, the wall, the gates were still open. There were still no gates in the city. No gates. The walls were finished. They were safe, but there was no gates. And then if you go to Nehemiah 6, some of his enemies said to him, listen, come and meet with us. Uh, we want to see you and speak to you about a couple of things. And Nehemiah's response was this. Listen to this. It's amazing. It says, I'm doing a great work. Why should the work stop so that I can come and visit you? And I love that. He says, I am doing a great work. I'm busy with something more important than my comfort or where I'm going because I see more value in this than in what you want me to do. You see, the enemy will always pitch distraction as more important than what God has planned for you. But don't be distracted and leave the gate to the community and to your family open. Because if he would leave, the gate's still open. The walls might be built, but the gate's open. And that's why we as parents and as men are said, listen, we are king, priests, and prophets of our home. We will make sure that the gate is guarded. And we will take our families to church where they will grow and be part of a community so that the value will be solid in their lives. That's why it's important not to be distracted, but to be focused. And when you go away, to rest well. 
because you meet God in that moment even more. I'm not saying you meet God in church more than in your quiet times. I hope you hear me this morning. Then the last one, and this is probably one of the biggest stumbling blocks. If you want to miss the, the power of church community, then this is probably one of the biggest stumbling blocks in life. And it is when it's all about me. The idea that I will make it on my own. I will get through this temptation, don't worry. It's just me and God. We'll be fine. I don't need people to help me grow in God. I have Him. I'll figure it out with Him. I am the church. <laughs> I've heard that so many times. Yes, you're right. But the church functions in community. You need people around you. Ecclesiastes 4, we all know it. Verse 9 to 10. It says, two people are better off than one. For they they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other one can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in, is in real trouble. I don't want to fall alone. I don't know about you. And there's times in your life where you're going to fall. You're going to stumble. And you need people around you to help you up. See, the scripture is full of wisdom on why walking alone, uh, on why walking alone and isolating yourself is a serious pitfall. It's full of wisdom according to that. And when we isolate ourselves from community, we isolate ourselves from wisdom, from love, from discipleship, from care, from celebrating together. I remember when I went into ministry from a pro-running career, I realized too late I was super selfish without knowing it. <laughs> but I was, I was just selfish. It was all about me. Because my life was based on that. It was all about me. But as people came around me in the place where God's light was shining, man, it challenged me to grow. And I realized that I never tapped into the true gold of community. Because I was just focusing on myself. It's all about me. And wherever the wind turns and wherever it looks great, I will go. But if you ask me if I go to church, yes, I do. I'm in that church. But my heart wasn't there because it was all about me. It was pulling me out of true community. Listen to Proverbs 18, verse 1 and 2. It says, unfriendly people care only about themselves. They lash out at common sense. Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinion. Then go to verse 15. Look, look what it says. It says, intelligent people are always ready to learn. Their ears are open for knowledge. And you only get that in community. Listen to Proverbs 11, verse 14. It says, without wise leadership, a nation falls. There is safety in having many advisors. Here in Africa, we have a saying that says, it takes a village to grow a child. It does. Especially in church community. It takes a village to grow a child. It takes a place where I can trust my children to be with everyone in our community because of what they believe and the love of God in their lives. It takes a village to grow a child. If you want to be discipled and you think God will disciple you alone in your room, I mean, you've got it wrong. You need people to speak into your life. Wiser, 
people, older people who can mentor you, speak into your life. We need a village to grow in character. In a community of believers, God builds people around us that know more than us, that's got more wisdom. And, that, and you know what they do? They help us to step into our calling. No matter if you're 50 or retired or maybe 18, you still learn how to step into your calling. In the community, we learn to serve each other. That's why I had to learn to serve other people. And you know what? When we start serving others, others start serving us. And we only learn that in community. And when we start serving others and others start serving us, the kingdom starts advancing and more people get reached. And that's what we need. I want to finish with this. Matthew 16 verse 24, it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any one of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. Ah, oh, man, there were so many times in my life that I had to give up my own way. Because <laughs> I wanted this way. And I realized Backstreet Boys was not singing out of the Bible. I wanted that way. No, no. God says, if you want it my way, pick up your cross. Pick up your cross. And this is very significant to us. Because Jesus said, we all carry our own cross in life. Just like he carried the cross that he paid for our sins. Do you know what? When Jesus carried that cross up the hill, it was tough. He had 39, he had 40 minus 1 lashes. They almost beat him to death. He was walking up that hill. And there was one moment where Jesus literally fell on his knees and he, it looked like he couldn't go on because I think he would probably would have been able to go on because the Holy Spirit was giving him power. But there was a Roman soldier next to Jesus and he said, wait. And he looked next to him and there was a man called Simon of Serene. He said, you carried a cross. Someone else's carried Jesus' cross. Simon wasn't from the same race or ethnicity. Go and read the scriptures. But you know what? He stepped in. Why? Because he was there. He was around Jesus. See, there will be times in our lives that we will not be able to carry our cross anymore. There will be challenging times where you struggle, where you will not be able to carry that challenging time, carry that cross. And in that moment, you will need people to help. They might not act like you. They might not look like you. They might not speak like you. But you know what? You need them. We need each other. Romans 12 verse 4, last scripture. It says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function. Each of you have a special function. So it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. We are parts of a body that functions together. I might be the mouth, but you might be the arms. Someone else might be the feet. Someone else might be the arms or the muscle. Someone else might be the, the eyes. We need prophetic eyes. We need intercessors that can... I mean, the body functions together. See, God created us so uniquely. If everyone was the same, it would be boring. Come on. God is not boring. We need to value the gift of God in every person. I value the gift of God in every one of your lives. And I know most of you, and, and, and there's still some that I want to get to know more. 
But I know that there's specific giftings in your life that the community of the believers need. You're not just someone that warms the pews in church. No. You've got a gifting that God has given you that need just to be matured, that need to be called out. That's what God has, has for you, in store for you. It is within a community of believers that we really find our value and our purpose in life. And it's not outside of community. No way. But if we need to be intentional, sorry, we need to be intentional. And if we're intentional, we will surround ourselves with people of like-mindedness, with the same attitudes in the Scripture, that speak the same language, and trust and believe God together. It is not about me. It is not about me, but it is all about the people around you that will help you to become who God has called you to become. We need each other. We truly need each other. And we start by serving. If you're going to get to know someone, start serving them. Serving them wholeheartedly. I always tell the story. When I became part of a church as a student, I realized, man, it's cool to stand at the door and meet everyone. I can meet all the pretty girls. So I became an usher to meet the girls at the door. And after a week, God wrecked me Literally, because I didn't know the ushering starts with an hour of prayer. So I said, man, I'm, I'm, I'm here to meet the people at the door. No, no, no. Before we get there, we pray. And in that prayer meeting, God changed my life because I was serving. I always said, God tricked me. But he didn't. He just got me into prayer and onto my knees. And I found people around me that loved me and started praying with me. I said, Henny, you prayed about that. Can I pray with you for that? I'm going to trust you. He calls me in a week. How did it go? And suddenly I found community. Amen. Can we pray together? Let's stand. Father, we thank you this morning. What a privilege it is to speak about community, to speak about a topic that is close to your heart, Father. And I want to pray for each and every one of us here today, Lord. I want to pray for this month as we step into a moments and, and intentional times of community. Where we're going to know more about each other. Where we're going to meet more people. Lord, maybe pull more new people in to our church and community. Maybe God is connecting you with people at the moment where you know that they need to be in part of a community. Father, I pray that you open our eyes. And that you help us to, int to introduce others from a place of darkness to a place of light. Where they can really be part of a community of people that love each other. Father, may you bless us this Sunday today. May today and this week and this coming month be amazing. And Lord, may you stir something in our hearts to be part of community, Father. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za